And therein lies another great reason to be excited about portraying this character. Those that know the Bloodshot franchise in the comic book universe know how differently throughout each story we perceive this character. At times, he may seem like the, we're rooting for him. He may seem like the protagonist. But all you have to do is look at a harbinger or look at something else. And all of a sudden, you're looking at the boogeyman. You're looking at diversity. You're looking at the scariest thing in the world. Yeah. So it's fascinating. And that's one of the reasons why it's just the beginning for Valiant. But the reason why the Valiant comic book fans are so excited is because they know more than the world knows. This is just the beginning of the tip of the iceberg. And there's so many different ways. Welcome to this zero credit supplemental reading of the film Bloodshot. My name is John. And my name is Henry. And that is a uh, interview response to the question of how Vin Diesel hopes uh, to portray the character in potential upcoming sequels to Bloodshot. All right, so it sounds like he's well-versed within this little genre or corner of comics. Yeah, all you have to do is look at a Harbinger or look at something else. A Harbinger is not capitalized. Maybe that's supposed to be a character. But anyway, we digress. Supplemental reading. It's been a minute. It's Uh, just for our fans. This is behind the paywall. No. (laughs) It's finally here. We've been promising you so many supplemental readings. And here is one of them. Yes, this is one, the least, or the most of them. Or maybe they're all equal, it's tough to say. Uh, But for people who aren't aware, uh, which is, I think, a diminishingly small number of people, uh, Zero Credit Supplemental Reading is where we pick a movie to watch. I used to say that we pick a piece of content that we think is important. I don't know that that is the case. Uh, Listeners will find out. Uh, But where we pick a movie to watch or a thing to read... Don't know that we've ever done a book, Uh, but we discuss it in its entirety, having seen it with the assumption that the listener would have seen it as well. Uh, That is to say, we will spoil things. We will talk about it in its entirety. So if you have not seen the film Bloodshot, turn the podcast off now or not. Uh, Do what you want to do. People have different feelings about spoilers. Yeah, if you're one of those people who want to keep spoilers safe, then... uh... My advice to you would be to hit that pause button and then come back after you've watched it so that you too could enjoy all of the twists and turns of this supplemental reading of Bloodshot. Yes, pause the podcast now and go enjoy the lean 108-minute theatrical cut of David S.F. Wilson's Bloodshot, starring Vin Diesel, Guy Pearce, and others. (laughs) yeah yeah um one of the people from baby driver and one of the people from new girl yes uh if if that's exciting to you then uh get excited how do these things typically work i know we talked about not just running through the film point by point but my notes are in kind of a sequential order that that's exactly how my notes are too but that's only for reference that's not that's not how we're going to talk about this. Uh, I do have a point of contention, John, because you said you, you didn't think this film, well, well, we'll see whether or not it's important. But we already know it's important because between you and me, we've already come across the foregone conclusion that Marvel movies are over. They've ended. 
Mm-hmm. And so we have this new void to fill with a new cinematic universe and Valiant Comics is stepping up to the bat, to the plate with that bat. And they're going to, they, they, they're swinging, they're swinging as hard as they can with this, with this bloodshot movie to create the beginning of a new cinematic universe that will be the cornerstone of what everyone's talking about in about 10 years. Yeah, we erroneously decided that the DC Extended Universe, DCEU, DC of course stands for the comics, uh, the DCEU would take the place of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the MCU. However, the Dark Horse candidate that is not actually Dark Horse, uh, the Valiant Comics Cinematic Universe, the VCCC, CCU, has stepped up to fill that void. They have a fresh slate. They don't have the missteps that DC has had, and they are primed and poised for success. And most importantly, John, the the success of Bloodshot uh, determines whether or not a Turok Dinosaur Hunter movie gets made. So for all intents and purposes... Bloodshot is probably the most important movie to come out in the past five years. I will say, if you told me that there was going to be a Marvel Cinematic Universe and a DC Extended Universe when I was a child, I would have been interested, very excited to see additional Spider-Man content. I was a big Spider-Man kid. However, if you told me that a Valiant Comics Cinematic Universe would result in film adaptations of two of my favorite Nintendo 64 video games, both Turok Dinosaur Hunter and Shadow Man, I would have been over the moon. So for child me, this is huge. Right. So with that being said, let's let's dive into Bloodshot. Let's dive into Valiant Comics' first ever foray into the film world. So one thing that I I will say going into this movie is I had no expectations. I also really knew nothing about the character of Bloodshot. Also, going into this, I have a beverage. I also have a beverage, but I'm very... I I have very uh, similar things to say. I purposely avoided all premises, synopsi, uh, all trailers. I knew nothing about it other than this movie came out at the beginning of quarantine. (laughs) Yes, it is uh, what I like to call a, a coronavirus uh, f- flower that blooms in the dark. Maybe there's an easier way to say that. Uh, this is one of the last uh, theatrical gems before the coronavirus, so much so that it is prominently featured in all write-ups about it that the coronavirus really hamstrung this movie's success. Uh, the only thing I knew about this character was, I think, Nano Machines, because uh, you and I had talked about that a little bit from a summary of the of the comic book character. Man, I, I I even forgot that we did that. If we did that, but I knew nothing going in, and then the opening shots of it. So I want to say that this movie opens with something that I eventually understood what it meant but it seems to open and just say original film yeah that's a production company it it is a production company but it seemed like it should be preceded by something like a valiant comics original film apparently you could just call a production company original film they've been around for a while too oh have they yeah i I always laugh when their when their card comes up because yeah original film (laughs) 
and it doesn't say productions or anything, just original film. So it looks like somebody came around, watched the film, and labeled it. Yep, this one's original. It's a it's an original film stamp of originality. I was surprised to see uh, Columbia Pictures is still a thing. Uh, yeah, they're they're apparently still in existence. Uh, now this movie starts with some of the most like. Uh, uh, offensively nonsensical military jargon I've ever heard in a movie. I, right. I think someone says Bravo Six Alpha Target at some point. Also, right. why is the character of Vin Diesel going forward, Ray Garrison, uh, rating a? Obviously, we know this, but yeah. why is he as part of a special operations unit raiding a building in Mombasa totally alone? Up and. At that point in the movie, we have to assume that he's just incredible enough that they just sent him in. Uh, so there's a lot going on in these this opening segment. Uh, like like you say, he's totally alone. There's voices in his head, in his headset, telling him, you know, like sit reps and all this. And like sit rep is repeated like three times. Like, can we get a sit rep? Do we get a sit rep? No, no sit rep. You know, just like all of this chatter of supposedly other people there. And at one point he goes to breach a door and they, they tell him, you know, okay, hold on breach. And he just goes breaching now. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he, he, he's uh, definitely set up to be like, this is the badass of the unit. Now this actually communicates something that I think is true about Vin Diesel's character going forward. And we'll talk about a little bit more, uh, but the biggest takeaway that I had from this kind of introductory sequence, and I'm interested to hear how you felt about it, even though it was pretty kind of quick cutty, uh, so maybe it wasn't like blocked or planned especially well, I feel like the action of that first sequence kind of ruled. Like it, it was, was cool. Yeah. As, like, okay, my honest thoughts when this first happened was like, okay, I get it. He's like a soldier. He's really good at being a soldier. And he's going to get powers and become even better or whatever. So I was kind of, like, rolling my eyes at this beginning. But the action is pretty on point. Like, it it was, it felt, you know, reminiscent of a completely, John Wick. Reminiscent of John Wick. This, so the original kind of, directors of this movie were supposed to be the two directors of John Wick, but then they dropped the project, and then Mr. Wilson got it. Uh, but it feels very John Wickish. Yeah, for John sure. Wicked. John, it's very John Wicked, and uh, there's a really funny part in this opening thing because, like, you know, he takes out all these Alpha Bravo targets, and then he gets to like this hostage. I'm just describing this. I don't know why. The scene with the hostage, let's just jump to that. The scene with the hostage yes, yes. and the guy, you know, the guy's like, I want a helicopter. And Vin D- Gary, uh, that's not his name. Ray, Ray, Gar- Ray Garrison. Ray Garrison. I always, I kept calling him Gary Bloodshot because I didn't catch his name. Uh, Ray Garrison says into a headset, stand down. And like, we hear a voice that says like, okay, copy that. But then he says, to get your helicopter, I'm gonna need to use that phone. I'm gonna need to use a phone, and it's like, you know, dude, you've got a headset on. You just talk to somebody. Like, you clearly have a line to the outside. 
But he, he solves this hostage crisis in the only way yeah. he can, which is makes a person look at a phone and then murders him. Which is um, my least favorite way of, to go. It, it really is. It, it's a bad way to go. And then we literally cut straight to the Amalfi Coast in Italy. <laughs> right, where all suddenly we see all these other guys who we didn't see before. They're all cheering for him. He's like, yeah, you know, hoorah, we're all unity and together. And he's He's greeted on the airstrip by his... At this point, I didn't know. I thought they were engaged, but it turned out to be his wife. And, like, I really feel like we could go through this these opening scenes point by point because of what happens later. Because Jamie and I were making fun of this movie so much... Oh, it's it's so trite. Even it, up to the point where his wife is, and they they talk about this, but like up to the point where his wife is kidnapped, and there's like a guy playing psycho killer right. in a, a meat locker. Like it, it's so trite, and it it almost at the time felt intentionally trite, and there's a reason for that, right? Uh, but it 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 was so like laughable. It, there are so many hints, like cin- cinemographically, cin- cinematographically, I don't know how to say these words, um, but like we're introduced to his wife and you don't see her face for the first 10 to 15 shots. Mm-hmm. It's just the idea of a wife is there on the screen and you see them happy, but she doesn't have a face and she doesn't even speak until the transition when they're laying on the bed, you know, clothes asunder that she finally says, you know, I don't like these scars or whatever. And it's like, within five seconds of watching these scenes back to back, Jamie says, she's going to die. And I'm like, you are not wrong. (laughs) I'm getting the same feeling that you're getting. You could not be more right. I will say one thing uh, from these initial, one thing I thought was strange from these initial few scenes i guess it kind of makes sense in context but i i almost wondered was he already a super soldier because at that point we're led to believe he does not have any nano machines in his blood and right. he he knees a kidnapper in the head so hard that his head goes through a wall he punches he punches through a toilet like he punches through the toilet. He's being assaulted by two people, and I think he just flexes and breaks their necks. Yeah, no, it's insane. Like uh, the you know the the first time around, I'll say, w- watching that, I was like, "This guy's going to get even stronger." That doesn't seem possible. But uh, it, little did you know. Yeah, I I, I don't have a good answer for you because that's really interesting. Does he already? Because, of course, you and I already know that the, the the first 30 minutes of the film are set up and done in a way to make you think that this is the first time they've, they've ever happened. Mm-hmm. And then the movie very smartly turns that whole concept on its head by introducing the concept of, oh, they've done this to him a lot. He's gone through the same exact memories with different people kidnapping and killing his wife. And then he wakes up from the coma and goes, kill that person. It completely changes the movie. Yeah, it it totally changes those first 30 minutes, which I, I feel like that doesn't 
it doesn't excuse what I think is maybe the biggest observation. First of all, Vin Diesel's looking old. Uh, I don't know that I've ever said that before, but this movie kind of bummed me out with how old old Vin is looking. Uh, he does not look as good as he used to. His face is a lot wrinklier. <laughs> He's looking a little doughy. It's pretty sad. Um, but I think... I don't know, this this might be controversial, but I think his character is supposed to be very, very dumb. Right. And, and go yeah. he, he wakes up ostensibly from being killed and has no memories, and a strange scientist, a strange guy peer scientist is walking around rising sun technologies, RST, whatever it stands for. And he's like, give me your hand. And he goes, huh, okay. And then he slices him in the hand. He's like, what did you do? I'm paralyzed. It's hard to tell whether or not his character is supposed to have any personality at all. <laughs> he he really doesn't. His personality Gary, yeah. is he, he learns that he has superpowers. And then what does he do? How does he test the superpowers? Kind of like in the movie Unbreakable, he goes to the weight room and sees which weights are too heavy, and he puts like 300 pounds and just does some curls with it. And then he's like, I wonder how I can best train this, and just punches a column to the point where the building shakes. The funny thing is, and we maybe we can get into this later, but ostensibly he's gone through this loop a lot. Like they show all of the people he's taken out and there's even a segment where he sees a diff, you know, he goes through the different killers. Like he's remembering all the different killers going through the same motions. Uh, and, and it's, it's more than five. I didn't get a good count, but it's more than five, but ostensibly he would do the same thing every loop. Right. So he would test his powers every time. How are they fixing that column in between that's exactly, runs? That's the thing is they show you <laughs> they show you a montage of what happens to him every time when we're trying to get this idea that KT has to like guide him through this every time, and it shows him break that table in exactly the same way again. Of course, they're just reusing footage, but reasonably they can expect that every time he wakes up, he has to smash that very modern table. They probably get a new table every time. But more to the point, they have to buy a new heavy bag, re-rack all those weights, and fix that column every time. I, for for whatever you know investment they've made in the technology to to resurrect people with nanites for blood, and also you know replace limbs and appendages and organs with technology, uh, I feel like they're really missing an opportunity from monetizing whatever the hell they're using to clean up that gym. <laughs> I mean, look at it this way. They could be making a lot more money by having the world's first and only group of four heavily cybernetically enhanced, to the tune of billions of dollars, cybernetically enhanced uh, traveling uh, play actors. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because all of these people have extensive expensive modifications that are necessary to their continued existence and their only job is to act. Yeah, no, and they're really good at it. 
They're tremendously good at it. They've done this loop many times. They rehearse. Only KT is kind of flubbing her lines sometimes, but that one guy like can really tap into his he really he's really method. He I think that what's his name? Tibbs. I, I okay. So um the names that I picked up in this movie were Gary Bloodshot, uh-huh. KT, Guy so Pierce. One, one correct, one an actor. Um, legs. Okay. <laughs> Eyes. Um, and Wilfred Wiggins. And Wilfred Wiggins, of course. I actually picked up his name because they said it constantly. They say it a lot. Uh, I feel like Tibbs or whatever Legs' name is really taps into his character's hatred for Vin Diesel and then, like, actually starts to hate him. Uh, and then act on that. But these people are essentially uh, phenomenally expensive actors for no reason other than to uh, help a tech bro kill other tech bros. Yeah, no, like the whole premise, the whole, Guy Pierce's plan, his name's Harding, by the way. Uh, Harding's whole plan is to get revenge on his partners who thought he was going too far by using this process of Implanting memories and fueling Gary Bloodshot for revenge. And uh, the thing about that is they do this thing where, like, they implant the memories, then they wipe them, then they wake him up, then they tell him he's got superpowers, then they give him a shot of something, and that reenacts the, the memory, and then he has to, like, go on his own. It, it seems to me like he would save a lot of time if you would just, up until the point he leaves in the truck, make that all part of his memory. <laughs> yeah, he would save a lot of time and money. What he could also do is he could tell any of his uh, highly cybernetically enhanced people who are already ready and willing to kill people to just go kill those people. Yeah, but, the, you know... They aren't bulletproof, John. They just have cybernetic limbs and sometimes extra arms for some reason. Yes, they had to put the nanites that killed that mouse into into Vin Diesel. Uh, also, so, the nanites, which can do incredible amounts of research very quickly. I really like that. He like he downloaded how to fly a plane. That was pretty awesome. That yeah, I was it's like, like Neo- a smartphone in your brain. Yeah, it's like Neo from the Matrix. My other concern about the premise of Gary, not Gary, the bad guy, Harding's plan, was that you've got these incredible nanites, and they they can resurrect Vin Diesel, Super Soldier. But then you send out regular Joe, you know, enhanced legs, enhanced eyes, and enhanced lungs to, like, to fight them, and you don't load them up with any nanites? Yeah, you'd think they'd get a share of the nanites, but no, they just get a weird breathing. Also, it's pretty unfair the way these people's augmentations are set up because I guy says, oh, you can see it. It's like, I can see everything, which seems pretty lame. And then he does that drone thing later. And you're like, that's actually pretty cool. Uh, leg guy, very fast, very durable, can have arms. Uh, and then KT is just immune to inhalants also here's something that i wanted to talk about how come all of them had to be harmed in a way that implicated a certain nationality 
Oh, what? So oh, what? When he went up to KT, he said she she lost her lungs in a in a Syrian gas attack. This oh. guy, and he went up to the the guy with no legs. He was like, he lost his legs when an Iraqi IED blew up, and they was like, and when an Afghan missile hit his base. Every time he talks about how these people were injured, he implicates a nationality and how they were injured. Uh, they're all very recent military hotspots. Maybe it was for a little bit of world building. We gotta Maybe. show them that they're heroes. <laughs> gotta show them that they're heroes, but also, you know... Okay, so that, maybe it's a little overkill. I, I can see why they did it, but also I also forgot entirely that they he said that. <laughs> it, just, it just seemed odd to me. Uh, but yeah, it sucks that KT just kind of has better lungs and is quote-unquote immune to inhalants. There might be something a little too cute, too, too you know, too wrapped up with a bow about your 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 plot and your characters. If the the one that rebels against the bad guy is also the only one that needs her cybernetic implants to live. Yeah, I mean, I guess if they turn that guy's legs off, he'd be pretty upset, but he could still get around. Yeah, he could like get a wheelchair, and then you know, blind people exist, so eyes could. You know, be blind, but you can't really live without lungs. Yeah, I think maybe that's why she's a, she's a linchpin in so much of the plan. Uh, one thing I will say about this movie, kind of critically speaking, is uh, going into it, seeing its uh, 108-minute runtime, uh, and especially the opening sequences where the action was kind of tight, but I was like, I don't know, this seems like insultingly... Uh, childish and wrote. Right. I was concerned that this movie would take a very long time to watch. This movie went down very easy. It was a good movie. Like, I, I thought, you know, we probably thought similar things. First comic book movie from this this line of comics. It's going to be an origin story. It's going to be very, you know, we've seen that formula before. We've seen the person who has a tragic loss and like gets taken out and now he's out for revenge. And so now he has the superpowers to do it. And the movie gave us that almost like condescendingly hand fed us that. And then also punched us when it was over to be like, fuck you. Now here's the rest of the movie. And it revealed that twist where it's like, Oh yeah, no, we, the reason why you, you, the reason why what you we just showed you went down so smoothly is because we've manufactured it for this character. So it's twice written. Like, it's written to show you, the audience, but it was also written to show this character. And it's like, what the fuck is happening? What the fuck? I stopped writing notes at one point because it's like, what is going... Like, as soon as Legs, like, got mad at him and, like, paralyzed him to the table... And was like, oh man, I'm so so tired of cleaning up after you. I kept saying, it's been like a day, dude. What's your problem? And then it was revealed, like, that was the seventh or eighth time they've done that. Yeah, I I think that my notes stop at a similar place, like, after the the twist is revealed. But, like, even before that, uh, and I would like to make a note here that will kind of color everything we talk about with the movie. So this movie 
uh, was shot on a $48 million budget, which sounds like a lot of money, but for a movie, uh, for like kind of a blockbuster action movie, that is a, a pittance. Yeah, uh, that's did, like, that's horror movie budget. I did some math, and the original Fast and the Furious cost $38 million. Adjusted for inflation, the original Fast and the Furious would cost about $58 million to do today. So comparatively, this movie cost less money to make than the first Fast and Furious. That's insane. And they did a lot with it. Even before we learned the twist, uh, and I feel like the twist is kind of where where a lot of the seams start to show up in this movie. But even before the twist, we have that uh, shootout in the tunnel with the flower truck. Okay, I I did, like, if we got to a point where... We were we ran into things to talk about, and you would ask me what my favorite moment of this movie was. The entire tunnel fight was from start to finish was phenomenal. Like it was such a visu- visually stunning shootout, and the flower best use of flower in a movie I think I've ever seen. It, incredible use of flower. Firstly, I'll say in in respect to this film's budget. The flower was a really smart choice because then shot continuity doesn't really matter that much because there's not much in the way of backgrounds or lighting or timing and it's all in the dark. So you can shoot it very quickly and efficiently. And maybe that was done within a few days. It's tough to say, Uh, but really like expert use of a budget by doing the flower kind of sucked as being like a weird nerd because flower is super flammable. Uh, and if they were firing a bunch of guns, it probably would have exploded. Uh, but that's fine. I, I got real, you know, flashbacks to Crate from uh, The Last Jedi, where it was salt on Crate, but, like, all of this dust being kicked up and, and like, just particles of, of dust, like, hanging in the air. And then... On top of that, you have th- this road flare, which, you know, in reality probably would set all the flower on fire, like you said, but just cascading the entire scene in red. Mm-hmm. And th- that part where they're like, he's in the truck, and they shoot the truck, and just for a split second, just a tiniest of split seconds, they show the bullets piercing the hull of the truck and light pouring in, this red light and this particle effects, and I was like, for that split second, I was like, this is art, and then they they cut away very quickly, and I was like, "Oh no, are they ever going to go back to that shot? Like it was such a good shot, but they never did." And I think it's because that was the only shot they could get to look like that with the time that they had, and really that wasn't the point of the scene. Yeah, and then and then they just moved on. But I think honestly, watching. Watching the flower tunnel fight, I was like convinced. I was like, this movie's actually, uh, or at least whoever's making this movie is number one, very, very intelligent in how they use their resources. But also everything was like really well choreographed and cool. And I was even able to ignore some pretty egregious action film tropes, like the bullets hitting the ground, bouncing off the ground in slow motion. And some pretty right. egregious slow-mo because it was just cool it, it was very cool and i i even after that fight i was like okay that's the top moment for this movie so far and then there were other fights and they were 
they were, you know, bigger in scope and stuff, but nothing really touches that tunnel scene for me. It was so good. I I honestly feel like there was a really smart decision on the second loop that, that we see as an audience to show more of the behind the scenes kind of thing. And like the fight in the, the complex where he's taken out the partner is really, we see that through like thermal cameras, background shots of, of the, the staff trying to support him. And, and then uh, Winslow, that's not his name. The, the oh, uh, Wilfred Wiggins, Wilfred Wiggins. We, we like, we see the the, like, we don't actually see the fight between Vin Diesel and all those guys at the complex, but we get all the surrounding, you know, background matter. And I think that was good because, like, it wasn't going to stand up to tunnel fight. So give us another view. You've already expanded this world with this weird controlling, like, memory thing. And so seeing the support staff, like, tracking him and, like, supporting him and making sure the job gets done was way more valuable than seeing Vin Diesel fight through this compound. Yeah, I I think that they did, once again, really good use of resources. You don't even need Vin Diesel for those thermal camera CCTV shots. You could just get a a bald, probably his stunt double could have just done those for a fraction of the price. Or or stand-in, really, like the the guy who's who's there for the lighting. Yeah, like anyone could have done that. Really good use of budget. I will say, favorite part, uh, something this movie does exceptionally well that I don't know that I've seen in in any other comic book movie, though I guess the only other comic book movie with a character with a similar trait would be like Wolverine. Uh, but I, you don't often see a character essentially being invulnerable do what he does or did. Like the back-to-back whiplash of him pulling the pin on a grenade on somebody's body and holding it up to a window so yeah. it blows out the bulletproof glass and then being shot in the face with a shotgun as his face reforms with nanites so cool it was yeah so cool uh, and then this- I feel like that mov- the movie almost immediately ran out of money after that <laughs> I feel like you could watch the money being drained from the movie uh, and then it was on emergency reserves for the last half. Well, I, yeah, you, for for sure. Um, elevator fight was kind of hard to watch because at some points it looked like a PS4 game, which isn't to say bad, but which is to say I can tell there are no real humans in the shot. Yeah, the elevator fight was so strange because I had... I don't know what it is about the quality of that, but it looks exactly like an in-engine cutscene from a video game. It looked like exactly like that. about the way it's put together looks exactly like a video game. Yeah, no, for real. I, I don't know if it was like the colors or the motion that they used. Maybe there was like motion blur that's sim- similar to in-game engine cutscenes or something, but there, there's a point where they zoom in on Legs' face as like he's about to fall, and it's just like that wasn't a real human. Yeah, that was not a that was that not was a, a person. Yeah, that was a rendered model of a human that you built on your computer, and it you, you, like you could tell. And so, I, like that's why the tunnel fight to me is just such a high moment because it, it seemed uh, at least I could tell all the actors were actors and they weren't three D. Yeah. 
it's it's so it's really interesting to see this movie use what it can because I honestly went into it kind of expecting to to dislike it and for it to not being a very like valid or viable product. But then after Tunnel Fight, knowing how much this movie costs to make due to a bit we did on the podcast, I then knew that this movie did not have a lot to work with and I was kind of cheering for it. Like I was yeah. really this this movie really won me over. It won me over to its side because I wanted to see it do well. I I was on board with it for eighty percent of the time uh, um, of its runtime, but the parts where it kept losing me. Some of it was handled well. Uh, uh, so. Like they address the fact that yes, they wrote his memories. Yes, they wrote that scenario, it, you know, with the hostage situation and then the meat locker, and they kind of like they did kind of like a hand waving acknowledge, like that's the best you could have come up with. Your memories, su- your, your your imagination sucks. No more, you know, plot from you, and like that's an in universe way to wave away the seemingly kind of weak opening that we got and it makes sense and it and like it, it it's there for a reason and that's good where it lost me is like everything after that point where they would point out like well that's kind of cliche that's trite and these are characters in the universe yeah pointing out things happening in the universe <laughs> That seemed a little cliche to them. And the most egregious one, it it played for humor and it was kind of funny, but the most egregious one is like the last line of the film where uh, Wiggins points out like, really, we're we're really driving into the sunset. And it's like, you can only get so much of that meta humor in the context of like writing the guy's memories and like making fun of the first part of the movie it works because you wrote his memories. And so you can make fun of the writing in the first part of the movie. After that premise is dropped, you you can't do the meta humor anymore. Like that's just making fun of the movie that you wrote. Yeah. I, I hated that being the way to end this movie. And, And of course there's the argument with, with meta, with like meta humor that, Yes, you can make what was that guy's name? Like Steve, Eric, the programmer guy. I did I he was uh he was Call of Duty Black Ops guy. Cause he uh, he, he was playing Call of Duty Black Ops on his, his, his uh phone. Oh, I see. Uh the the thing about that character and them saying, Oh, no more memories from you, you did such a hackney job of writing his memories is the thing about films or any artistic medium is there is a large group of people writing and then delivering a product and you can never point to that product, the product of their writing and say, Oh, well a character in the film wrote it that way. So it makes sense that it would be that way. Right. That's why it's not quality. It's like people were still, writing it and that can be your explanation for it but it 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 doesn't particularly hold up and it feels kind of weak uh and i thought it was kind of cute that they called out the psycho killer thing but as that continued 
Yeah. It it was increasingly grating to the point where I was like, are they trying to sell us on the idea that this could also be a simulation, which is also pretty weak writing? Yeah, no, like in all reference to the first 30 minutes of the movie, yeah, it plays and it makes sense. But I feel I feel like they got caught. Like they they're like, okay, that got a laugh in the writer's room, let's keep that up. And then they kept doing it in places where it did not make any sense. Yeah, we've got to keep being meta. Like, and the the entire movie is already sort of a commentary on the origin story film that we've seen so many times, because like it kind of moves through similar tropes as those origin films, and then it's revealed that this isn't an origin film. We've you know it's a simulation of an origin film. And so that we were making fun of origin films by doing that. But then they kept that theme of making fun of origin films throughout the next, uh, you know, three-fourths of the movie. And it doesn't match the tone of the protagonist who is going through very serious, very real things. So it's, it's like it's all kind of mishmash and put together. And to me felt like, okay, whoever wrote the movie took real pride in writing the movie. And they might have thought comic book movies were stupid, and so they're going to make everyone kind of point out the fact that comic book movies are stupid in their comic book movie. It felt a little too cute. Uh, You never want to be cute in a movie like this. In a Mm. movie with Vin Diesel, leave the cuteness at the door. Right. It's not like the people writing Fast and Furious make fun of car movies or even Fast and Furious movies. They take it seriously because it's a very serious like for for something like that fast and furious to work you have to take it seriously otherwise it doesn't have legs to stand up on uh, and i will say that the i don't know kt's character is so something very strange at the end of the movie because he walks and i was like this is a pretty view or whatever and she's like well of course it is which i don't know are are we saying that it's still a simulation and then wilfred wiggins literally just says that if so Where's the Valiant Comic Cinematic Universe? Nowhere. So that can't be it. Yeah, no, they have to be out. Because there's no way. Like, there was no hints or glitches that it didn't happen. I don't know, dude. It. This I, isn't... Say, as far they as didn't write the inception of superhero movies, John. <laughs> no, but damn, maybe they tried. <laughs> maybe that, that's a deleted scene. Oh, I did stay for the after credits. There is no after credits. I also stayed for the after credits, and I was disappointed that there was no after credits. What did you think of the character of Wilfred Wiggins? I liked him. Um, in, in a movie where you've got a big, dumb, strong guy, you got to have, like, the little snarky tech guy. But this was a snarky tech guy who, like... Usually the snarky tech guy is kind of like, oh, I'm so nerdy and helpless. But this guy was like, I'm going to get what's mine and, you know, you're going to help. Like, he was competent and confident in a way that I haven't seen, like, the snarky tech guy be before. And he was just a delight with his his uh, his, his Wigan symptoms. Yeah, Wilfred Wiggins is the coolest motherfucker on Earth. He's... He's cool, he dresses well, he's a slob, he eats hot noodle, and he lies. Yeah, he's great. All he do is dress well, eat hot noodle, and lie. Yeah. 
in 2020. That's what he in does. 2020. Um, I think he was cool. I I, I, th- I did I did really like his character. Uh, his, uh, comic relief is hard to pull off in a movie like this, but when you have someone who is as self serious as Vin Diesel and the character of Bloodshot, you gotta have somebody. Yeah, and no, it can't I- just be Eric or whoever the programmer guy was. Yeah, Wiggins was definitely better than Eric or the other programmer. But I I really liked KT, Wiggins, and and Gary Bloodshot. And, you know, it's good when we like the good guys in the movies. So they did a good job making them relatable. I will say that Wiggins and KT have way more personality than Gary Bloodshot does. Oh, yeah. Absolutely no doubt. Uh-huh. So wait, here. Oh, sorry. Please finish your thought before I jump into this next. No, please. Rant. It's a thought you were excited about, and I was not excited about what I was going to say. Go okay. Ahead. In your movie, where you've revealed that the protagonist is programmed to say certain lines, like uh, you know, "Told you I was going to find you." When you show that character having woken up and supposed to be like acting in his own self interest. Don't write the same lines for him again. <laughs> yeah. Because no, that's no. just confusing. <laughs> yeah, then, then you are led to believe that nothing has changed. And that he doesn't have a personality. Like, he's been completely wiped too many times, and all he has is the vocabulary that they've given him. But, like, you know, every time he tracks down a killer, he's like, told you I would find you. And he says that to Harding, who he never told he would find. What if, yeah, he never, he actually never did. I never thought about that. I will say, Guy Pierce did a very great job selling his role. Because when we were making fun of the movie, uh, and, and Bl- Gary Bloodshot is driving that truck off the compound or whatever, <laughs> Guy, you know, Guy Pierce talks to him or whatever, and G- Gary Bloodshot says, uh, I always come home. And Guy Pierce goes, What do you what what does that mean? <laughs> what do you what do you mean? <laughs> and it's really funny because we didn't know yet. He was like, Yeah, he's never done this before. But he must say that every goddamn time. <laughs> and Guy Pierce can still sell it like the what do you oh man. You're right. We, they, they they should be they should be cyber, cybernetically enhanced actors. Yeah, because the amount of effort and craft that is required to be surprised that many times and deliver those lines exactly the same way. Only on the last one did they all seem to be getting kind of tired of it. Well, yeah, you know, that, like, was yeah. Like a, that was like a second Sunday show. You know, right. they had just had a matinee and the week's almost over. And they've run this show eight times at this point. They're all getting a, a little tired. Dress right. rehearsal's not going as well. You know, they've they've run the play a few times, so there's like clicks developing, and the chemistry's all weird. Yeah, that is actually literally though what happens is clicks develop, the chemistry gets weird between them, and the show falls apart. Well, legs and eyes. They were a little click, and then KT was obviously feeling bad about what she had to keep doing to to Gary Bloodshot, so she was kind of like forming her own click. 
unbeknownst to Gary Bloodshot because he couldn't know. And Guy Pierce was just trying to make the production go off without a hitch, but at that point, everything was out of his control. Right. Um, I think we've all been there. For all of the the faults I have with the premise and the execution of the movie, at the end of the day, I had a very fun time. And for a superhero movie, that's got to be the end goal, right? Like, to entertain. Yeah, it's got to be the end game. You can't say that. I I totally agree. I think that there are a lot of pretty meaningful criticisms I could levy against this movie, but I think in in some total I might have enjoyed it more than like 30 to 50% of superhero movies I've seen. Like it was I don't know, fast and clicky and fun and actiony and and pretty engaging. Even for most of the Fast and Furious movies I didn't fail to take notes, but I just kind of got engrossed watching it i think serving as sort of like a commentary on superhero films by having like an origin story narrative baked into the your 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 movie definitely helps to set you apart from seeming like just another origin movie and that that definitely plays up the strength of the movie i will say though like if you're gonna make a bloodshot 2 which you you know you should because the Vic U needs to exist. The where you go from there is definitely developing Gary Bloodshot and giving him a personality and discovering just who he really is. Like one of the better scenes in the movies when uh, Ray Garrison, Gary Bloodshot, he tracks down the wife that's been in his memory this entire time. And it turns out like they haven't been together for five years and just him struggling to understand that, like that's the most human he is in the entire movie. And you can feel like he's a real person, but that's really the only personable moment we get out of the entire movie. This might be an an insulting thing to say for a friend and favorite of the podcast, Vin Diesel. But sometimes you forget that under the surface of Vin Diesel, uh, he has the capacity to act his absolute ass off. Right. And in the initial scene where his wife is being threatened by Marvin Axe or whatever the fake guy's name is in the in the cooler, really just acting his ass off in that scene. And then when he finds out that his wife quote-unquote wife is like no longer with him in the real world once again acting his ass off in a quiet sad devastated way and those are the two times we get to see him have any personality other than when he's yelling i will find you right uh yeah i feel like so much not so much i feel like vin diesel gets kind of used to people like directing him and it's like, you know, okay, in this scene, you're a big, tough guy. And he's like a big, tough guy. And, and you know, well, really the direction is you're a big, tough guy. But deep down underneath, you know, you got a heart of gold. And, like, he's used to direct action directors coming in, telling him, you know, you got to flex more. You got to be tough. But I really feel like they worked with him to be like, this is your wife. And she is about to be killed by this guy, like you got to react. And then like the same direction is like, this is your, 
the person you think your wife is and you can't understand why she's not because in your head you're still together. Like, I feel like the director really worked with Vin to get that emotional side out and to, to show his, his real range that we all know has been there because, you know, fast five and fast four before it, the, 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 you know, the, the strong part of fast four is, is, was like uh, Letty coming back and Vin and, and uh, Dom having to deal with that and, and try to process that and like try to like understand what happened. And like, that was the only real saving grace of that part. And so like, we know he has the capability. I just feel like so many times he, he the directors come in and say like, all right, well, uh, can you rip your shirt more? Yeah. Can you show more arm? <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're going to take that again. Can you, are you're flexing, right? <laughs> I think it, I think it's fair to say that from what we've seen in Bloodshot, and this is not at all what I expected I would say after having seen Bloodshot, is I'm pretty excited for more Bloodshot. We're not going to get it. The movie like completely bombed. <laughs> Uh, bombed horribly. It's only streaming on stars. Yeah. So this this is a non-starter. But in a world where it was a tremendous success, I, I would be genuinely interested more. I would be, uh, yeah, I would be interesting interested in seeing those three: Wiggins, KT, and and Gary Bloodshot. I would be interested in what's in store for them because it seems like they're going to be a unit. And then for, like, the world at large, like, I don't know who would be next in your Valiant Comics cinematic universe, but uh, it would be interesting to see them interact with, you know, I'm not familiar with the Valiant Comics lore. Hold Uh, on. You want to see them interact with Eternal Warrior? Sure. My question is, so Gary Bloodshot, his blood was nanites, and that gave him superpowers. Is this, are there metahuman type people, or is it all superpowers from technology? Oh, well, uh, let me just go ahead and read you Exo Manowar's deal. Uh... Nope, he's a tech guy. He's like Iron Man. Shit. I mean, Turok is not technology. Turok is just a guy. Yeah, Turok's just a badass who kills dinosaurs with, like, guns. Yeah, he's, uh, his abilities are Olympic-level athlete and master knife fighter. Right. So, like, he's like Daredevil. Yeah, but Turok, but with dinosaurs. He's I the want Punisher. To see Bloodshot interact with dinosaurs. Me too. Are there any magic or superhumans in Valiant Comics, or is it all tech guys? Oh, Shadow Man is like uh, he's like a guy who died and then came back literally because of magic. Okay, so there's some magic. That that's cool. Uh, now, here's yeah. a question. I don't know if you have the answer. Uh, have the members of Valiant Comics, have they interacted with each other before? No idea. Because, <laughs> like, if that's never happened, then maybe the VQ isn't a good idea. 
Oh, I am fully, I'm imagining, I'm extrapolating out to an Avengers Endgame of of Vicky where you have Shadow Man, Exo Man War, <laughs> Eternal Warrior, Bloodshot, all back to back to back, fighting uh, Guy Pierce. Every time it's Guy Pierce. Yeah, here's the here's the thing is like unlike the Marvel Cinematic Universe where every film essentially has a different villain, this one always the same villain. Bold strategy. Even though he he un he uh you can't negotiate it. He blew up at the end of this movie, but you know what? So did Vin Diesel. Yeah, they both blew up. It's great. How did he come back? Car battery strapped to his nanites. Oh, but he, his nanite levels were zero. He was just Ray Garrison, and that's enough. That was a good moment, but I that was a good moment. I, I like that. Think what that means is like those nanites were still there, but like they were out of power. Oh, they were just tired. <laughs> they were just well. The first time he died, no, that was an EMP. Like they all got knocked out, and then they were jump started by a car battery. I feel like it was the same thing at the end of the movie because I feel like Wiggins said, like, well, it's the second time I've done that or whatever. I guess that's what Nanite levels... I don't know. It doesn't matter. He's immortal. Nanites don't need to be charged anymore, so they don't have to worry about that for future movies, which won't happen, but I badly hope happen. Yeah, I love that at the end of the movie, they're like, you know this this really terrible like plot point thing that was in this movie kind of a little bit? Won't be in the movie. He won't be, you know, we're establishing now that we're taking that out going forward and it's for the next movie. And then COVID happened and then no one saw the movie. It's like an Iron Man where they're like, you know, that whole heart thing. Uh, we have to explain that stuff a lot. So don't worry about it. Right. You got a good one. You got a new one. Don't worry about it. Remember how we, we ended Iron Man 3 and it's kind of seemed like uh, Robert Downey Jr. was walking away from the role altogether and this was going to be the end of Iron Man and we didn't even say Iron Man will return at the end of that movie so everyone's kind of like, oh, Iron Man's over. We did that for Bloodshot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, that is, may- well, maybe the opposite is what's happening to Bloodshot, where they very much gave us a Bloodshot will return in, and then just nothing. Wait, did they act? Well, those three will go on and have adventures, but it didn't say Bloodshot will return. No, it didn't. But maybe. I don't know. What else is Columbia Pictures doing these days? <laughs> Uh, other than bankruptcy, not much. Right. Well, Henry, it John. sounds like we've exhausted our nanites. Yeah, my levels are at depleted. Uh, and you're just Ray Garrison. And that's enough, John. Uh, so, we don't usually end a supplemental reading by grading things anymore i felt like we had had a a long series of them where we did rank them and then i think outside of that we did like it love it or gotta have it wait no when we changed it it was like wait yeah like it love it gotta have more of it did it used to be like 
It was like buy, buy it, rent buy it, it, rent it, love it, or something. <laughs> yeah, it was okay. Yeah, so it was like it, love it, gotta have more of it. Yeah, where it's like if you like it, you're like okay, enjoy this movie. If you love it, it's like okay, I'm gonna buy this movie and like you know watch it every day, and gotta have more of it. It's like please continue the franchise. I need to have more stories with these people in them. I guess we don't have anything in that scale for if we didn't care for something, but that's not important because it seems like we both cared for Bloodshot at least a little bit. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed my time with it, and I would I am ready and prepared to give it a ranking on this list. Also, before I do that, I just remembered I have to find a way to naturally work in this joke that Jamie said during the movie. And before I came into this room to record, she looked at me dead in the eye and said, you're going to tell my joke, right? So I have to say this, John. Oh, I understand. Uh, So KT gives Bloodshot a shot and he drinks it to which Jamie, the love of my life said, Oh, is he called Bloodshot because his blood's full of shots? Right. Anyway, I'm prepared to rank this movie. And go for it. Alright, well I enjoyed it. It was a fun romp. For all of my problems with the writing, that's really more on like a personal... Because I'm a writer level and not from like an audience standpoint, I'm going to not enjoy this movie because it's taking itself too tongue-in-cheeky. So for me, i got to have more of it. I want the Vicu to happen, so I'm a little biased there. But they really pulled off an enjoyable, decent summer blockbuster released in spring. Like, it, it, it has all of the legs to stand on to go forward, and I encourage them to seek out more to do more bloodshot, get that. You got a great cast. You got a great remaining cast. Put them together. Put them in a new thing. I don't know what it's going to be. Like, what are they going to do? Who knows? I got to have more of it, John. All right. So that's a gotta have more of it. I am ready to weigh in and give my rating for this film. But first... Uh, my girlfriend Allison did actually give me a joke. Are you uh, okay? That I said that I would tell on air and then credit her. Thank you for reminding me. And I have to say this joke now naturally. Before I weigh in, uh, are you ready? Absolutely. And that joke is Vin Diesel's looking a little chunky. And his nanites are hungry, and he's not giving up blood shot. Oh. Vin Diesel That's is really good. chunky. Vin Diesel's looking chunky, and his nanites are very hungry, and he's not giving not up giving blood, blood shot. shot. That's really good. All right, that's pretty good. And my rating is... Yeah, pretty much 100% agreed. Gotta have more of it. I like this movie a lot. Yeah, it's completely surprising. I had no expectations. Thought this was going to be like, you know, 
another Fast and Furious 1 and 2, where it's like, we're doing this for the sake of the the experiment of doing this. What, how did this even get on our radar, John? How, what, did, how did blood? How did the supplemental reading of Bloodshot even come to be? I wish I remembered. I I don't remember either. I'm sure it's in the listening logs. It's in those episodes that came before this. But it's funny because now I've watched a movie that I really enjoy and want more of, and. Uh, You've broken my heart with the fact that it probably won't get more, but, you know, I'll deal. I'm strong. Oh, I actually think I know how we talked about this. We were talking about additional comic book movies, uh, which was brought up because of Morbius. Also, Jared Leto was originally going to play Bloodshot, uh, but now he's in Morbius. Also, supplemental reading for Morbius coming 2021. Stop it. No. Uh, You know what? Let's halfway commit to that one. Do I have to watch Venom to understand Morbius? Uh, Supplemental reading of Venom? Stop. (laughs) You just want to do a supplemental reading on Sony comic book movies. Oh, the sick you? Stop it. Stop it. (laughs) So the Valiant Comics Cinematic Universe, as we know, is done. No, it isn't. I'm still hopeful. And also, uh, fuck Sony. Wait, why do we hate Sony this time? They tried to hold Spider-Man hostage. But also, that's just kind of two monopolies fighting. Uh, PS4, you know, looks like a vacuum cleaner. PS5? Yeah, whatever. Video games, man. Okay. Not sure where this is going, other than Sony was involved in this movie somehow. Yeah, Sony is uh, Morbius, right? I feel like the... Yes, they are. I feel like the takeaway here is that we want more Bloodshot, and really, I feel like the common denominator of all of our supplemental readings is, on some level or another, John, we like Vin Diesel in movies. (laughs) Put more Vin Diesel in movies. Guardians of the Galaxy, I believe he's in that. He plays um, Zendaya. Um, put more Vin... Congratulations, Zendaya uh, slash Vin Diesel on your recent <laughs> Emmy win. Also, the Emmys happened. Quibi's up for sale. A lot of things happened that are exactly in our wheelhouse, but we just did a supplemental reading of Bloodshot, and that means it is time to do... The social media plugs that I believe we still do on supplemental readings. I can't remember because it's been literally forever since we've done this. So I'll just go really quick and I'll make it evergreen. I won't mention any time sensitive things. Uh, So if you want to send us your opinions about Bloodshot, you can tweet at us on Twitter.com at ZCPCWHJ, which John knows what it stands for. I don't believe we do this bit on supplemental readings, Henry. I don't believe I don't believe we do it. I I don't believe we do it. I don't know if he's referring to the social media part or just the Twitter part. But if you want to send us your long-standing episode, uh, thoughts of episodes, thoughts about Bloodshot, you can send us an email at zero. No, at email at zero credits. What the at email two two. To, to email at zerocredits.net.
Was that clean? Was that clean enough? Good morning. Good Sunday morning. Stop doing topical things in our supplemental reading. We are on Spotify. If you use the desktop version of Spotify, you can search under podcast, zero credit, open parenthesis, as close parenthesis on the podcast section of Spotify. We're also on Apple Podcasts, where you can leave us a star rating and a review. If you could do that, that would be really, really great. And uh, But most importantly, if you liked Bloodshot and you liked us talking about Bloodshot, tell a friend to watch Bloodshot and then tell that friend to listen to us talk about Bloodshot. That's right. Word of the mouth is the only way we will make the Valiant Comics cinematic universe happen. So you got to get that word out. You got to get that words out of your mouth. That's the only way Valiant Comics cinematic universe can survive along with this podcast for the ride. The end. That's right. If you want uh, your uh, Savage Dragon or Shadowhawk movies, ah, shit, those are dark horse. God damn it. From everyone here, how do we end a supplemental reading? I don't remember. It's been forever. We didn't oh. even do one for Star Wars. Eh, uh, we only do it for good movies like Bloodshot. Uh, thank you for joining us for the zero credit supplemental reading of the film Bloodshot. As always, we are John and Henry signing off in a very normal way that we always do at the end of a supplemental reading. Good luck, go forth, and be short. Goodbye. Good blood shot. Good blood. Shot. Not giving up blood. Shot. I'm not, not giving, giving up, up blood. blood. Shot. Shot. <laughs>